0: to the Michael Anthony Bible Teaching Podcast. This episode covers the Book of Acts, How Christians Live. You can enjoy more messages like this with the free Courage Matters app available in your app store. If you'd like to request Michael for an interview, guest appearance, or as a keynote speaker for your event, click the Invite tab on the Courage Matters app or on couragematters.com.
1: Nearly 2,000 years ago, God sent his uniquely brought forth one-of-a-kind son, Jesus, to this earth, and Jesus ministered for about three years, performing miraculous signs and wonders, convincing proofs that he was indeed, and still is, God's anointed and appointed the promised Messiah spoken of, prophesied about in the Old Testament, but the leaders of the nation of Israel conspired with some Roman soldiers and they decided to reject Jesus. They didn't know what they were doing, as we're going to see, but they rejected Jesus and therefore rejected God's anointed and appointed God's Messiah. Not to be outdone, however, God the Father on the third day after Jesus died and was crucified, On the third day, God the Father raised Jesus from the dead, making his statement of approval over the sinless life and sacrifice, the ministry, the person, and the works of Jesus because God the Father would not have raised a charlatan, a false prophet from the dead. And for 40 days after the resurrection, Jesus appeared to the disciples and taught and continued to help them understand truths about himself and truths about the kingdom of God. And then after that 40-day time, Jesus ascended. He went up into heaven and took his rightful place of authority, seated at the right hand of God the Father, which again, God the Father would not have done that if Jesus was a fake, a phony, and a fraud. And then 10 days after the ascension, on the day of Pentecost, after Jesus went up, 10 days later, the Spirit of God came down and fell on the believers in what we refer to as the day of Pentecost. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. They were given the supernatural ability to speak a language, a human language. And boy, did they ever speak it and use it well. God declared his glory through them and this raised the curiosity of the people so much so that they gathered around and Peter, one of those who was filled with that Holy Spirit, saw the golden opportunity and began to preach and to teach. And this former fisherman, now recruited to ministry, had tremendous impact as a result of him opening his mouth, the result of the filling with the Holy Spirit, such an impact that 3,000 people accepted Jesus personally, individually, as their anointed and appointed, the uniquely brought forth one-of-a-kind Son of God as prophesied about in the Old Testament scriptures. Now, the amazing thing is that this resulted in a community of unity, characterized by the power and the presence of God. Many miraculous signs and wonders were being done by the apostles, and this community of unity was now dedicating themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship together, to having meals together, and to the prayers. And wouldn't you know, God was adding to their number day by day. Those who in turn were believing that Jesus also was, that Jesus was and is the anointed and the appointed, the promise prophesied about Messiah in the Old Testament. Day by day, that group, that number was growing. Now, on one occasion, Peter and John, who was also a former fisherman, and both of them were devout Jews, were doing what devout Jews did best. They were going up to the temple to pray. And on their way there, they met a man who was crippled from the time he was in his mother's womb. And as we see, and we'll see later on in the scriptures, this man was 40 years old when this event happened. For his entire life, he was not able to walk, and this man made the critical mistake, humanly speaking, of putting his hand out, looking for a handout. He was put there every day, and he he begged, and he asked for money because he wasn't able to take care of himself, so he made the mistake of asking Peter and John for something, and as this man has his hand out, looking for the handout, Peter puts his hand out and declares that I don't have any silver, I don't have any gold because I gave earlier in Acts chapter two, it seems most likely where the believers were sharing their possessions and giving to anybody as they had need. It seems most likely that that's one of the reasons why Peter didn't have money to give this crippled beggar. But Peter wasn't poor spiritually. He knew what he had to offer and he reaches out his hand and meets the right hand of the crippled beggar and says, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I tell you, get up and walk. And this crippled beggar who couldn't walk now leaps up and begins to jump up and down and use his voice to declare the glory of God. He takes Peter And he takes John with him, and they go into the temple area. And the people recognize this guy because he was well-known in the community. God did an outstanding miracle by raising him up from being a cripple to now a man who was leaping for joy. You would, too, if God had miraculously, instantaneously healed you like that. At least I hope you would give glory to God. So these people gather around in Solomon's portico wanting to find out what happened to this man. And Peter, still being filled with the Holy Spirit, opens up his mouth, seizes the golden opportunity and begins to preach yet again. And he focuses on the death, the burial, the resurrection, the sinless life and ministry of Jesus Christ. And he helps the people understand something that he understood very well. He helps the people understand something that he understood very well, that the God of the Bible is a God of second chances. How appropriate that this man who walked with Jesus for about three years, and also is the one who denied Jesus three times, is given this opportunity to lead other people to the feet of Jesus. And these very same ones who were part of the nation of Israel who had rejected Jesus are now being given a second chance. In the middle of Peter preaching along with John, it seems that Peter was leading and John was following. As we see in chapter 4, verse 1, they were preaching. In the middle of them preaching, the priests... And the captain of the temple and the Sadducees, who had a burr under their saddle, didn't like that. They were preaching about the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. They come up and they cut them off at the pass. They insist that they stop preaching in the resurrection of Jesus. And you see, one of the debates that was raging between the Pharisees and the Sadducees was the very possibility or probability of the resurrection of the righteous. The Pharisees believed that someday... Those who are righteous would be raised from the dead. They believed in a resurrection body. But the Sadducees didn't believe in a resurrected body of any kind, let alone Jesus. And that's one of the reasons why the Sadducees were sad. You see, you would be too. Not to believe in the resurrection. Come on now. And so they throw Peter and John in prison, thinking that that will buy them some time to figure out what to do with these guys, as now they begin to realize that they didn't take care of Jesus at all, that their problems were just beginning. Now, I don't want you to take my word for it. I want you to take God's word for it as we look at this passage and what transpires here for ourselves by turning to Acts chapter 3, beginning in verse 11. Acts chapter 3, verse 11, in our Lord's word, the Bible is such a book that man couldn't write if he would, wouldn't write if he could. You can't make this stuff up. And here it is. We're going to read it together. We're going to look at it and you're going to understand the significance of what we just went through in a crash course. Acts chapter three, verse 11, while he clung, while this formerly crippled beggar clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon. See, so I didn't lie to you. I told you the truth, didn't I? Here it is, you're seeing it for yourself. And when Peter saw it, when Peter saw this golden opportunity, he addressed the people, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? And why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? Peter understood the idea of the redemptive work of God. It was not Peter's righteousness that caused this to come about. It was the righteousness of Jesus Christ that made this miraculous healing possible. And the same is true in your life and mine. It's not because of our righteous deeds that God saves us. It's despite our lack of righteousness that God saves us through faith in Jesus Christ. It's not because of our righteous deeds and the way we're living that God uses us more and more. It is simply because we get out of the way and we let God do in us, with us, to us, and through us what we can't do for ourselves. God moves through his people when his people get out of the way. And so Peter helps them understand it's not us. It's because of Jesus. Verse 13. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, the God of the Hebrews, the God of the Old Testament, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. If you read the New Testament, you understand that it was Barabbas who was set free instead of Jesus. You denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. One of the ministries of the apostle, one of the authenticities, one of the credentials of an apostle was that they were witnesses to the life and ministry of Jesus. And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and know and the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance as did also your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn Again, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all things about which God spoke by mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Peter is connecting the dots for them. He's helping them understand that Jesus was and is the anointed and appointed Messiah spoken of in the Old Testament. And the amazing thing is that Peter, who understood a thing or two about repentance, because before Peter denied Jesus three times, he was warned by Jesus that he would deny him three times. And Jesus tells him, but when you return, that's what repentance is, returning back to God or to give to God what was what you never gave to him in the first place. Repentance is embracing the number that should be your favorite number if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. You should have a favorite number in all of the numbers that are possible. Your favorite number should be 180. That's your favorite number. Because to be a person who repents is to be somebody who understands a 180 degree turnaround. Repentance is turning from the world, turning from yourself, turning from the devil, and living a fundamentally new way in every area of life. And it takes a lifetime to understand the depths to which we need to repent. Peter was an expert now in the art of repentance. And we see that again in the book of Galatians, he needs to understand again the importance of repentance when he is confronted by the apostle Paul for giving into, again, peer pressure. We could call it Peter pressure. Repentance is turning from the world, turning from yourself, turning from the ways of the devil and turning during a 180 degree turnaround, turning to God, giving him areas of your life that you otherwise did not give him or giving them back to him again. And the amazing thing here is that God is using Peter, a man who understood a thing or two about repentance to preach this message of repentance and giving the people of Israel an opportunity again to have a second chance, even after they had rejected Jesus and were part and parcel of him being crucified, condemned, sentenced to death. Now, there's an important lesson in this for you and for me as a follower of Jesus Christ. The question is, are you continuing to follow Jesus Christ as manifest by a lifestyle of repentance? When you give your life to Christ, when I gave my life to Christ, when you give your life to Christ in a moment, if you haven't yet done that, you're accepting not only Jesus as the savior for the forgiveness of your sins, but you are now embracing following Jesus as the new way of your life from that point forward. And that life cannot be lived apart from a fundamental embracing of repentance. You must be, a Christ follower must be in a continual state of repentance. Haven't you found that you say things you shouldn't say from time to time? You think things you shouldn't think from time to time. You look at things you shouldn't look at from time to time. You listen to things you shouldn't listen to. You say things, you do things. It just goes on and on. And the beautiful thing about God is that through Jesus, He offers us forgiveness of sins past, present, and future. Not that you willingly sin thinking that, well, I'm just going to take the blood of Jesus as a license to sin. No, if that's your attitude toward the blood of Jesus, you haven't really repented and accepted the Jesus of the Bible. You don't accept Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins so that you can sin some more and not care about it. To do that is to trample upon the sinless, selfless, sacrificial life of Jesus on the cross. And what's happening here in Acts chapter three is that we're getting a sampling, just a taste of what it looks like when a man or a woman is sold out to God and filled with the Holy Spirit. If you wanna know what happens when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, Look no further than what we've just looked at right here. You can go back and you can look at Acts chapter two and you can see how the believers were sharing their possessions and there were no needy persons among them. That's what happens when a community of people are filled with the Holy Spirit. They become selfless and they become enamored with the king and the kingdom. There are many empires being built today, but only one kingdom that will endure forever and that's the kingdom of Jesus Christ. So if you want to get an understanding of what it looks like to be filled with the Holy Spirit, here it is. A former fisherman who now has become an amazing theologian, who walked with Jesus and followed Jesus, just like you, if you're reading the Bible, if you're listening to messages that are originating from the Bible, if you're emptying yourself of yourself and the world and saying no to the devil, those are the very no's that open up the big yes, the opportunity for the Spirit of God to come in and to flood every nook and cranny of our lives with the Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. When you give your life to Christ, when you gave your life to Christ, you received the promise of this Holy Spirit, the Spirit of boldness, the Spirit of courage, who enables regular people with a past to have tremendous impact in the present and in the life to come, eternal life. It's this Holy Spirit who has filled up Peter to the overflow, filled up John to the overflow. These former fishermen now become fishers of men, communicating the message of God In this golden opportunity, we see that Peter knows how to seize on an opportunity and you will too. If you're emptied of yourself, emptied of the world, emptied of the enemy, our arch enemy, the devil, you will be filled with the Holy Spirit and you will be used by Almighty God to give testimony to Jesus. There are many people in the body of Christ who are afraid of the Holy Spirit because what has been attributed to the Holy Spirit really wasn't the Holy Spirit at all. There are many abuses done in the name of God, in the name of the Holy Spirit, that really have very little, and actually can have nothing to do with God at all, nothing to do with the Holy Spirit, can have everything to do with a counterfeit spirit, because the manifestation or manifestations don't draw attention to Jesus. They end up being confusing and chaotic, Any and every time that the Holy Spirit is moving, just like this time that we're looking at right here in Acts chapter three, any time the Holy Spirit fills an individual, when it's really the Holy Spirit, that person will give testimony to Jesus. It will cause people to be drawn to Jesus, not repelled from Jesus. And one of the things that needs to happen in the body of Christ, it might be true in your life, is that we need to stop being afraid of the genuine, authentic, genuine, real deal, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God's not-so-secret weapon to change an otherwise cowardly life into becoming one that gives tremendous glory and points people to Jesus. You need the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit. That's why God didn't ask you if you wanted the Holy Spirit. He's not asking you now if you haven't yet given your life to Jesus if you want the Holy Spirit. You get what you need, which is the Holy Spirit, the moment you give your life to Christ. The Holy Spirit is the one who will give you boldness, courage to say what you otherwise would not say, to do what you otherwise would not do, to be the kind of person you otherwise would never become if it were simply left up to you and willpower. No, you need more and I need more than simply willpower to give testimony to Jesus. Willpower is important. Dogged determination is absolutely important, but when you are determined and intentional to give Jesus glory and you empty yourself of yourself and of the world and of the devil, and you live a 180 degree lifestyle, a lifestyle of repentance, you will be filled with the Holy Spirit to overflowing and you will do the kinds of things that Peter and John were reading about what they're doing right here. The work of God is an ongoing work in the life of a believer so that by the time you're done living this life on earth, by the time I'm done living this life on earth, our lives look absolutely nothing like what they would have looked like if God left us on our own. One of the distinguishing marks of the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer who is filled with the Holy Spirit is a lifestyle of repentance that is not afraid of people and is only concerned and consumed with the glory of Jesus Christ, bearing witness to Jesus. Now you might say to yourself, you might be shaking your head right now and thinking, but I have blown it at the workplace. I've blown it in my family. I've blown it in the neighborhood. If I go into work tomorrow and I start opening my mouth up about Jesus, I know that people are going to shake their heads and they're going to say, what are you, some kind of a holy roller hypocrite? I know the way you've conducted yourself here at work and how you've conducted yourself Here in our family and in the neighborhood, I've seen your Facebook posts. And some of us need to stop posting on Facebook in our efforts to try to give quote-unquote testimony to Jesus because you're not giving testimony to Jesus at all. You look like you're trying to give testimony about a Jesus that you don't know very well yourself. Here's the great news. Today is a great day to turn over a new leaf in your walk with God. If God is offering repentance to the Jewish people again through a man who knew a thing or two about repentance, Peter, having denied Jesus three times, then that same offer and hope and promise is given to you as a follower of Jesus Christ. Today is a great day to turn over a new leaf with God and to repent and to say, God, I want to go in a new direction with you. You know, you could even go to work this week and take those people aside who you know have seen you do things and heard you say things that they shouldn't have seen you do, but they saw nonetheless, and heard you say things that you shouldn't have said. If you were to sit down with them and say, listen, I've got to talk with you. I have been a hypocrite. I know that I've talked about Jesus. I've talked about Jesus and I haven't, really reflected his power and goodness and glory the way I should, I'm sorry for being a hypocrite. Would you forgive me? You can do that in your family. You can do that in the neighborhood. Don't let your past rob you of your future capacity to give glory to God. And once you confess that, which is an unusual thing today for Christians to do, and you pick those people up off the floor because they'll be blown away with your honesty and transparency, you will regain or perhaps have for the very first time the ability to bear witness for Jesus that is credible, believable, and powerful, characterized by the filling with the Holy Spirit. This is what I mean when I say today is a great day to turn over a new leaf in your walk with God, courtesy of repentance. God knows that you've said things that you shouldn't have said. You've missed opportunities. I've missed opportunities. We've all got a problem with the flesh that we live in. Paul even said, who's going to save me from this wretched man that I am? The super apostle said that. And his answer is your answer and mine too. Jesus Christ is the one who saves us from ourselves. Courtesy of the Holy Spirit, when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you will point other people to Jesus. You will say things you otherwise would not say, do things you otherwise would not do, go places you otherwise would not go, and people will look at your life. They'll hear your words. They'll see your witness, and they'll be interested in Jesus. Repentance has to be the new way of life. If you didn't see it that way before, perhaps you're seeing it that way now. When God calls an individual and woos and pursues an individual to accept Jesus as their Savior and their God, their Master and their Lord, it's not just for the forgiveness of sin so that you can enter heaven in the presence of Almighty God. It's so that the Holy Spirit can fill you And you too can become a fisher of men just like Peter and just like John and lead people to the feet of Jesus. It's never about you. It's never about me. It's always about the work of God despite you, despite me. The filling with the Holy Spirit is conditioned upon your personal surrender and your moment by moment emptying of yourself. And the beautiful thing is that when you empty yourself of yourself and of the world and of the devil, the spirit of God floods those areas that were otherwise occupied by something else and you become a living sacrifice. This is what it looks like to take up your cross daily and to follow Jesus. Aren't you thankful that God didn't just tell us what to do, but he also enables us to do what he tells us to do through the power of the Holy Spirit, the filling with the Holy Spirit? This is an amazing metamorphosis, a transformation that we're reading about in the lives of Peter and John, not just this beautiful thing that happened to this crippled beggar at the beautiful gate. These are men who left on their own, would leave Jesus alone. But something happens when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of a life, a life like theirs, a life like mine, a life like yours. You become a living, breathing testifier to the living and true God, the author of life, and people will begin to pay attention to you. And in the process, they will pay attention to Jesus. What the world needs now at this particular time is an army of individuals sold out to Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to move from simply knowing about the Holy Spirit in our minds and theologically ascending to the truth that the believer receives the Holy Spirit the moment they accept Jesus Christ as Savior. And we need to move into the practical reality of of the filling with the Holy Spirit, which is God's not-so-secret weapon, hidden in plain sight all this time. The very one who will change what you say, change what you think, change your entire lifestyle so that it is in keeping with a lifestyle of repentance that gives great glory to God. What might happen in your life if you were filled with the Holy Spirit? In your marriage, if your marriage was characterized as being a Spirit-filled Marriage. You know, if God can give people the supernatural ability to speak a foreign language as we see happened in Acts chapter 2, he can certainly change your use of the English language so that you can become an encourager in your marriage. You can be somebody who speaks life into the lives of other people. You can talk less and listen more so that other people can share their heart and be real and authentic with you. What the world needs now, and I mean yesterday, is a church filled with people who are filled with the Holy Spirit. Not concerned about themselves, but only concerned about the king and the kingdom, the only kingdom that's going to last forever, the kingdom of Jesus then the world will stop and take notice. They might be upset and hot bothered under the collar. After all, the priests and the temple guard and the Sadducees who were Sadducee were upset with what Peter and John were doing by declaring the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. But do we see that stopping Peter and John from declaring the truth of Almighty God? You've had an encounter with Jesus if you're saved, if you're born again. If your sins have been washed away, you've had an encounter with Jesus. Apologetics is a beautiful thing in the body of Christ, but it needs to be apologetics, not apologies for the person and the works of Jesus. Stop apologizing for what God has done in your life, for what God is doing in your marriage. You were saved not only so that you could get into heaven in the presence of Almighty God, but you were saved so that you would stop doing the ridiculous things that you otherwise would continue to do, were it not for the work of the Holy Spirit who sanctifies you and sets you apart so that you can be useful to Almighty God. The world needs to see real Christians filled with the same Spirit who filled Peter and John who was unstoppable and undeniable, who gave great testimony to Jesus Christ. We see this community of unity characterized by the powerful presence and movement of the Spirit of God, so much so that they were selling their possessions and giving to anyone as they had need. That's what happens when individuals get filled with the Holy Spirit. The kingdom agenda of God takes center stage in their lives and in their community and they begin to do things they otherwise would not do. And people sit up and take notice in ways that they otherwise would not notice because the Holy Spirit is at work in the lives of the individuals who then come together and become an unstoppable community of unity. Magnetically irresistible. And God moves in their midst. What might happen in your life if the Spirit of God filled you up to the overflow? You know, I heard the other day this story of one of the children who's in our Awana program. I won't say who it is because I don't want to embarrass that child or the family. But this particular child's very good at Awana. You know, scripture memorization. And one of the things that happens in Awana is not only are the children learning how to hide God's word in their heart, which is tremendously significant, meditating on the word of God so that at the right time and the right way, you have something to pull from that well of scripture to be able to say the right word at the right time and the right way, just like Peter and John are doing here, just like anybody and everyone will do when they're filled with the Holy Spirit. This child was hiding God's word in their heart, memorizing scripture. And one of the things that happens in Iwana is not only Do they receive the benefit of hiding scripture in their life, which is enough of a reward right there, but they receive these points, these Awana points, that then they can redeem. They can trade them in for prizes. Some prizes are small, some are large, and some are in between. Well, this child had done such a great job memorizing scripture that they had thousands, and I mean thousands of Awana points, that then they could go to the place where you go in wanna, the store, and they could exchange those points just like we do with our money and convert them into a prize. Well, this child apparently filled with the Holy Spirit, understanding that it's more blessed to give than to receive understood that there was another child in this church family who didn't have anywhere near that type of a of a accumulation of points to get any kind of prize. And so this child, filled with the Holy Spirit, took their points, redeemed them, got a huge gift, and gave it to the other child. And when I heard that story, I was convicted by the Holy Spirit One of the main ministries of the Holy Spirit is to convict us of our own selfishness. And I began to think, how could I use the money that God has entrusted into my hands, into my life, for things that I could spend that money on that have nothing to do with me? How could I take the money that God has given to me and use it to benefit and bless other people? When we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we care less about ourselves and far more about others. And as we are concerned and consumed with other people, which is one of the primary ways we're concerned and consumed about God, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, strength, and soul. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment, Jesus says in Mark chapter 12, greater than these. We're the ones who have divorced loving God from loving people, but in God's economy, literally speaking, those two can never be divorced. One of the primary ways that we love God is by loving people. And one of the primary ways we love people and in the process love God is by being selfless with the material possessions that God in his graciousness, in his mercy, in his goodness has given to us. Yes, we could buy things with the money that God has given us and do things for ourselves. Not all of that is wrong to do that. You need to be able to have clothing and food. You certainly need to be able to provide for your family, but we also have an obligation to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we do things we otherwise would not do. We say things we would otherwise not say. We become people we would otherwise not become. And as a direct result of that, people look at how we're living and they say, that's not natural. That is supernatural. I want who you have. And it's high time that the world begins to be hungry for who we have. And that we unkink the garden hose of our lives and we let the spirit of God flow through us to bless the lives of other people. When we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we say things we otherwise would not say. We do things we would otherwise not do. We embrace a lifestyle of repentance with growing momentum that changes our marriages if we're married. It changes our families, whether immediate or in the extended sense. It changes the workplace. Your place of work might be incredibly dark. That's why God sent you as the light brigade into that dark area so that people could see the light of Jesus shine brightly. Remember, the darker the room, the easier it is to see even the smallest light how we need the filling with the Holy Spirit to lead us into territory we would otherwise not go, listen, I know that full well myself. I was dragged kicking and screaming in resistance to God for a very long time. And you might be able to identify. And then I began to realize that no one who has ever surrendered to God ever lived to regret it and that resistance to God is futile. If God saved you, why don't you let him fill you up? If God took away every single one of your sins, that's beautiful, wonderful news that God's not holding anything against you anymore. Why not let God fill you to the overflow? Let God finish what he started in you. Say to the Lord, remove from me anything and everything of myself, anything and everything of the world, anything and everything of the devil. Fill me to the overflowing so that then through me, because of your power, other people can come to know Jesus as their savior in the same way that I came to know Jesus as mine, and they too will understand the beauty, the freedom, of having every single one of their sins forgiven and likewise being filled. This, through the lives of Peter and John, is yet another example of what your life could look like, what your life will look like. If you will let the Spirit of God fill you up to the overflowing, you will seize opportunity after opportunity. God will give you opportunity after opportunity to open your mouth to bear witness to the King and the kingdom. But you have to be somebody who wants to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You have to be somebody who wants to be emptied of yourself so that the power of God can course through your veins come out of your mouth and through your life so that others will have the hope of salvation that you now have, courtesy of nothing you've done except surrender and acknowledge Jesus. And what happens here? What do we see happening when Peter and John are thrown into prison? What is the byproduct of all of this that we see here in Acts chapter 4 in verse 4? But many of those, I love it when God inserts a big butt.
0: What steps has God
1: asked But many to of take those who had heard the word message, believed and the number of the right men came to about 5000. After all, you cannot no one who stop truly the, to the movement of the to Holy Spirit it. God this finishes and many other what he starts. And God three wants to finish can be enjoyed started again in your on
0: godfactorcom Courtesy or of the, on filling the go with the, with free God the Holy Spirit, God that, God Spirit.
1: Factor that not so secret store secret weapon hidden in plain deeper, sight all along, place. given to every single God bless believer, you as you seek so that you can say things you otherwise life. would not say, do things you otherwise would not do, live a lifestyle of repentance, and lead people to the King and the kingdom so that they too will understand that Jesus was and is and is to come. He is the anointed and the appointed, the promised Messiah given in the scriptures and you too can have him as well. Live your life for Jesus this week. Surrender yourself to him continually and perpetually. Turn from your wickedness. Repent as a matter of lifestyle and you will see God fill you up to the glory of Jesus like never before. How about it, church? Anybody interested in that? You've
0: been listening to the Michael Anthony Bible Teaching Podcast. If you enjoyed this message, you'll love Michael Anthony's Courage Matters Podcast, where he focuses on leadership, relationships, and world events. You can also invite Michael for an interview, guest appearance, or as a keynote speaker for your event. To learn more, visit CourageMatters.com or download the free Courage Matters app. In the meantime, keep looking up. There's no place else worth looking.